Good morning. We will be talking to Andy Barrar in a few minutes from now about your skinny TV package. <laughs> and we'll also be talking about auto debt. And there, a report that came out last week suggested that the, these 60-month uh, or longer lease or repayment plans for cars may not be such a good idea. And also on the show today, Todd Talbot from Love It or List at Vancouver will be talking about how to assess market value and figure out the right asking price for your home if you're thinking about selling in this overheated market. It can be a, a big concert like Justin Bieber who played Vancouver Friday night or a large sporting event or festival, any number of events where there's a huge demand for tickets. And with this demand, often come out the, the scammers looking to make quick cash on unsuspecting fans. Joining us now is CKNW reporter Roshni Nair. Uh, you found that there were many tears shed and a whole lot of money just straight down the drain by some of these over-trusting Justin Bieber fans in Vancouver uh, this uh, past Friday. Yeah, um, and it wasn't, I mean, our news team found these fans and uh, there were quite a number of them who were just in tears because they couldn't get into their favorite show because they were they fell victim to scams. And they're not alone. Uh, you know, in the, the U.S., apparently nearly 5 million people fall victim to concert ticket wow. scams every summer. Let, so, let me be avuncular here for just a moment, mm-hmm. because, or maybe I'm, I'm beyond this. But I'm wondering, is this, a, is this something that affects teenagers? Uh, no, actually, because in this clip I'm going to play you, uh, it's, it's a mother of some teenagers who fell victim to the scam. And, uh, listen carefully to the story because there's a couple of tells that, um, can help you discern whether it's a real ticket or a scam ticket. Awesome. Um, (laughs) I bought my, I got my tickets off Craigslist, four of them, from a lady, I guess, named Amy who doesn't exist. And she pretty much, like, it seemed like a very honest conversation. She lives in Kelowna, but she had a wedding to go to this weekend. She bought them for her two kids and her husband. So I thought that this would be a really good opportunity to take my little cousins and my pregnant sister to Justin Bieber. And uh, we paid $800 for the tickets, and here we are. It's a scam. So. Ouch. Yeah. Yeah, it and it's lots. It's hundreds of dollars. Yeah, yeah. It, Craigslist and Kijiji, and I, I don't want to necessarily you know hold them out, but it, you know you hear about these kinds of problems happening on these sites, uh, sites and services. Because uh, I mean, I've always felt I don't want to meet anybody off of those things. You know, uh, in, in a private parking lot or some place where I don't know uh, the safety. Yeah, yeah. No, and I, I think the the recommended. Uh, venue or, or is to go to a proper ticket seller, a legitimate ticket seller. Um, but, you know, I guess the appeal of Craigslist or Kijiji is that they're usually cheaper prices. And it's quick and it's, it's easy. Yeah. And it's just, it comes with a greater risk. Okay. What else have you got? So if you notice in that story, she had this, um, I guess, this lady in Kelowna who had to go to a wedding. And that, that kind of tale is kind of a tell. If there's a there's a big story or a sad story, mm, I think you should be more suspicious. Right. Uh, the Craigslist was another tell. You know, maybe go through a le- legitimate ticket source, and then the eight hundred dollars. Now she doesn't specify exactly how she paid for it, 
But if you're going to be wiring money, paying cash, or doing a prepaid uh, cash transfer, that's another tell. You want to always pay by credit card or PayPal. So even if it is a fraud, you can. There's some recourse you have an for out. you. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, this second tale of Justin Bieber's sadness is <laughs> um, uh, it's even more ridiculous, I guess. Okay, um, I bought a sticker in a website called Vivid Seats. It's stressful, but I don't know why this one is not working. And I travel like 15 hours from Brazil, from here to here, to go to this concert because I am his fan since 2009. And in Brazil, it's very terrible to go to a concert. So this was the best opportunity that I had. And now my ticket's fake. I couldn't get in. Oh, my. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean... What happens in this case? She she mentions the website Vivid Seats, and um, and that's the other thing. I spoke to Evan Kelly from the Better Business Bureau and asked him, what can people do to uh, you know what can duped ticket buyers do after? I mean, if they can't get into the concert, can they get some money back? And here's what he had to say. Yeah, I mean, it's you'd have to they'd have to read Vivid's terms and conditions to see if they've if there's some recourse with that company. Uh, reporting to the police, of course, is is one way to go. But I think uh, at, at this point, the person who was selling those tickets is is probably long gone, and I would suspect that that uh, that ad, that posting is is gone as well. So, getting getting trying to trying to find those people is, is going to be extremely difficult. Um, and, and it's concerned, like, I'm not sure how they paid for the tickets, but um, you certainly want to be paying, if you're buying stuff online from somebody you don't know, you certainly want to be paying uh, with a credit card through uh, something like PayPal, because whenever it comes to anything online, we BBB always advises to never, ever wire money or send, like, a prepaid Visa card or something like that. So always use uh, a secure um, third-party pay portal. Mm-hmm. I think this happens a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I've, has it ever happened to you? Uh, no, no, it hasn't happened to me yet, but, um, if there was something, you know, it's kind of a high pressure situation, right? When it's a music show, you want to get in. You know the show's going to be sold out. You know it's going to be sold out, and and tickets sell so quickly now, uh, you know, they're usually sold out in 10 minutes or something. There's so many pre-buys and Mm -hmm. and tickets for special interest groups and this kind of thing that you really have to get on it quickly and perhaps be part of a club or a radio station that has uh, access to a pre-buy and that kind of thing. Any uh, other sort of things that we should be looking for or tips to avoid this kind of thing as we as we move on? Yeah. Uh, another tip, if you're buying tickets online, is to make sure that your URL is HTTPS, right. a secure uh, connection instead of just HTTP. Um, again, you can check BBB. They have uh, different uh, ticket sellers that they recommend or that are verified. Mm-hmm. That's um, a great idea. Yeah. I'm wondering uh, if, and I, I asked you this at the outset, and I just, I'm curious to know if we'll have the same kind of situation when, when Paul McCartney comes to Vancouver next month for two shows at a smaller venue, Rogers Arena, will we see the same kind of thing? Or do you think this is primarily younger people that, would, that have a little less experience that get duped? No, I think um, because uh, it depends, right? Like, I think if you're an older person who feels the way about Paul McCartney as a younger person would feel about Justin Bieber, maybe you'll also put those, um, you know, guards off and kind of just get the ticket that you want instead of paying attention to 
uh, whether the ticket is legitimate. Be so. careful, and if it sounds too good, it probably is to be true. Uh, Roshni Nair from the CKNW Newsroom, thank you for that. Uh, you can check with the Better Business Bureau. They've got a link on their site for some tips about avoiding scams from would-be ticket sellers. When we come back, we'll talk to Andy Barrar from Get Connected about Skinny TV. That's next on Vancouver Consumer from News Talk 980 CKNW. We're almost halfway through this month, two weeks since we started a new diet with our TV service provider, better known as Skinny Basic, and we've lost an hour of sleep. The idea, from what I understand, uh, the CRTC wanted to ensure we had choice in TV viewing and, uh, and as a result, uh, imposed some new rules, capped the price of basic TV to $25, and then after that, you could add to the basic package with pick-and-play channels or small bundles. The thinking, they say, would mean most Canadians would save some money and have more choice. Have I got that uh, about right, Andy? Uh, yes, Ian, you have got it right. They they really wanted to give Canadians an affordable option when it came to selecting their television channels because right now it's usually a very pricey bundle and consumers, Canadians, are paying for channels that they really don't want. And the CRTC wanted to change that by basically forcing the broadcasters to give us skinny basic channels and then consumers could pick what other channels they would want. That, in theory, is a great idea. But as we've seen since March 1st, since it was implemented, it really hasn't gone that way. Andy Barrar joins us from Get Connected TV and Radio. And when I talked to you the other day, I could tell your blood pressure was rising. You, you know, when it comes to t- TV, you don't want to mess with people because people are really emotionally attached to what, sh- what they watch. Uh, and I'm, I'm not sure that there's a whole lot of savings going on. Is it possible, Andy, that the CRTC had honest intentions, but perhaps things might not be working out as planned? Absolutely, Ian. They, they had a really sincere intention. The CRTC has been really pro-consumer as of late, uh, really trying to protect Canadians in this, in this landscape of television that has been changing year after year. And one of the issues has become, you know, streaming services like Netflix, which have really got a lot of people cutting the cord. Or you get the other demographic group, the 30-somethings, who are what they call cord nevers, who don't even have a cable subscription. And I'm actually one of those guys Mm. who I've never actually uh, bought a TV subscription. And so they're trying to change the landscape to make Canadians and entice them to get Canadian uh, subscriptions for television. And, uh, in theory, it was good, but what they've found, I don't think they've done enough uh, homework in how they were going to implement it because what we've seen now is the broadcasters are putting all these extra fees on top of that $25. Yeah. So you want, if you want a set-top box, well, you're going to have to pay twelve ninety nine a month on top of the $25 uh, subscription package that you got. And sometimes they'll give installation fees or canceling fees to make it really... Um, Basically, so it doesn't look be, seem as very attractive. Yeah, right. A lot less attractive. That, to make that switch, yes. Yeah, I, you know, I, I think it's, uh, in this case, it might be a little bit of be careful what you ask for. And the thing that I always notice about television, and I'll, I'll be straight up, I'm, I'm one of those people that cut the cord. I did it a number of years ago. It's all eight, nine years ago that I did that. And it's not for a lack of loving TV. It's just it wasn't making sense for me. And it makes sense for other people. And each individual will make their decision. But for the longest time, we were subsidizing some of those channels through our cable subscriptions. And now if we want to bring those down 
to a, a price that is more attractive, to use your word, Andy, uh, we're going to stop subsidizing those channels. There'll be less people employed, less channels to choose from. So, in fact, just the opposite of the intent might be the result. Well, what's going to happen, Ian, if, if this really goes through, it, when you're not bundling these other channels, some of, that, some of those channels aren't going to survive. They're very niche uh, in terms of the content that they're creating. So what's going to happen is we're going to end up with less choice of, of content to consume uh, on traditional television, which is going to entice more people to go online. Because the, the, the interesting thing about this is there is more scripted television uh, content being created today. The only thing is people are watching it online. You have services like Netflix who are now creating their own television shows, but they're not putting them on television. They're putting them on, on of course, on online, for, on Netflix, basically, for consumers to consume. Well, let me ask you then this. This might be the obvious questions, but how relevant then are these TV providers, these uh, subscription services that we'll call them traditionals, like the cable ser- uh, providers and that? Uh, is it a relevant model today? Well, you know, the one thing that we know that you still, and a lot of people use television for, one is for local news or national news, and two is for sporting events. And that's right. really what's keeping it. And you got the likes of like Rogers, who are now saying that they're going to start broadcasting in 4K for the Blue Jays and, and for like the Maple Leafs come in the coming years. And what they're trying to do, because we have these 4K televisions on the market, we just don't have 4K content. Mm-hmm. And so they're trying to experiment with different ways to get that loyal base. But in terms of your just everyday channels that you would, you know, I miss, like, I, I don't have a cable subscription, but I do have what's called over-the-air HD antenna. Mm-hmm. And those are kind of like rabbit ears 2.0, where you can still get the local broadcasting channels onto a television. But that's only like, I think I only get eight channels um, compared to some of the bundles that are out there where they're in the hundreds. Well, my understanding, too, is that some of the local channels on television, and I don't have this as a fact in front of me, but my understanding is is that they may, at some point, with the CRTC's blessing, discontinue these over-the-air broadcasts. Yeah, I think I was really confused on why we still have these over-the-air broadcasts, and I think it's because, in a case of an emergency, uh, the CRTC wanted Canadians to be able to have access to local programming uh, just to get information. And that's why we had those rabbit ears and those types of... Uh, what's interesting is now that everything has moved to digital, uh, away from the analog connections, these over-the-air broadcasts are full HD, like uncompressed. And it looks and it, good. And it looks amazing. Yeah. And all you have to do is make that one investment into an antenna. Uh, there's a website online called tvfool.com where you put your address in and it will tell you where to face oh, that antenna. Cool. And and next thing you know, you can get um, local programming. And if you live close to the border, like I do, you can face it south and get U.S. channels as well. So some of these antennas are actually mechanical, and they can go north and south. So depending on what kind of content you want, you can change the direction of that antenna. And they're, they're what, like about 40 or 50 bucks or something like that? They are. There's indoor ones and there's outdoor ones. If anyone is out, uh, interested in, in one of these over-the-air HD antennas, I recommend getting the best possible one you can get. Uh, it's just worth it because you're going to get that better signal. 
in the event that you have a cloudy or rainy day, sometimes that signal can be compromised. Right. So you always want to make sure you have more than enough uh, to get that signal into your home. What about the quality on Netflix? Is it just me or is it just not up to snuff? Well, Netflix was the first out of basically anyone to announce that they were going to start broadcasting in 4K uh, quality. But to do that, that is about 16 megabits of download you need. Hmm. And for most people, that's the package they have at home. So you would have to get a better internet package to get that content. I think it's still going to take a couple years until we have faster internet connections at home. But uh, yeah, with Netflix, you can actually change the, the different type of quality of the content depending on how much bandwidth you want to use for your internet connection. But uh, it will always try to give you the best quality based upon your internet connection at home. When it comes to bandwidth and the internet connection that we have in our home, how do we stack up against other nations around the world? Because my understanding is is that we're not doing as well as we think we might be. Well, you know, uh, I have to say Canada was like, remember the days of dial-up. Uh, Canada was one of the first countries to get the ADSL connections uh, much, much quicker than the States. And it's kind of interesting because we are a very big country with a very small population. So that also explains why we only have really three big carriers uh, in this country because of the investment that it takes to to build that infrastructure. But we're doing pretty good. The only problem is, is when you compare to the other nations, we pay a lot. And that's because we only have really three choices to go through. And, and because of that, uh, we've had more expensive internet. A couple of years ago, Verizon was interested in coming into the Canadian market, and it brought all the cell phone prices down just on the threat of them entering. Mm-hmm. But once they decided that they didn't want to pursue the Canadian market, the prices went back up. What about the TV service providers now? They must be beside themselves. Are they laughing now at the CRTC? Are they saying to the consumer, I told you so? Well, it, it is interesting. We saw that Bell had a uh, leaked memo coming out of Bell where they were telling their employees to not promote these skinny packages uh, unless the customer asked for it. And what they've done is the one thing the CRTC can't control is if you are going to pay or if you can mandate what you charge for the rental fees for these set-top boxes and other types of services. And they basically loaded those up. In most of their packages, they all give you that for free. But if you go for that skinny package, you're going to have to pay a monthly fee or you have to pay a very expensive fee to buy it outright, which is going to basically make other most, most consumers look away and say, I think I'll stick with my, my big bundle package for now. It's almost like that negative option marketing. It is. And you know what was interesting is the CRTC said, we're going to let this go out for a couple of months, and then we're going to reassess to see how it's doing. It's not doing very well right now. I just don't know what they can do to convince these broadcasters to to make something that's affordable, because at the end of the day, these are publicly traded companies that are have a fiduciary responsibility to yes. the shareholders. So they're trying to make money at the expense of uh, the consumers. So don't, uh, as we wrap up here, Andy, uh, don't expect to see a real pay-per-view kind of system where you literally just pay for exactly what you want. That's not going to happen anytime soon, is it? Well, in December, they're going to make Canadians have the option of picking each individual channel. 
But just the way that we saw the skinny package roll out here in March, I don't think it's really going to work out in the way that the CRTC intended it. And I'm very interested to see how they're going to respond when this doesn't really work out the way that they wanted it to. Andy Barrar is the co-host of Get Connected TV and Radio. Thank you so much for joining us on Vancouver Consumer. When we come back after the break, we're going to talk about car loans and consumer debt. Vancouver Consumer on News Talk 980 CKNW. Last week, the Financial Consumer Agency of Canada released Auto Finance Market Trends, a research report highlighting worrisome growth in long-term car loans. Loans with terms of more than six years have become a trend in Canada, posing risks that Canadian consumers should consider carefully prior to financing a vehicle. We're joined by Bridget Goulard, Deputy Commissioner of FCAC, to discuss the auto finance report and perhaps overall household debt and steps consumers can take to take to find some relief or some help. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. I'm uh, pleased to be here. Apart from paying more for financing in a low interest environment, what's wrong with stretching payments for more than six years when I'm getting way more car and lesser monthly payments? Well, I think uh, a few things we need to keep in mind. First of all, uh, the low interest payments uh, is not necessarily available for everyone. Only those people with the best credit scores can can get a 0% interest rate. So you, you need to be careful not to get lured in by that 0%. And, and second, to stretch over the term doesn't necessarily mean that it might mean you pay less interest, but one of the issues that we're seeing is that the, the depreciation on the car has an impact on, on what would happen if you want to exchange your car. So let me just give you a, an example. Um, let's say you're a young married couple and you decide you'd like to buy a little sporty two-seater and you stretch your car payments over eight years. Four years later, um, after you've bought your car, decide to want to start a family and decide to trade in your little sporty car for a van. What happens is that what you owe on the car is a lot more than what the car is worth, and you would need then to to, to make a further payment, roll in the debt on your new car. So that's what we call the, the auto debt treadmill. So you end up paying, continuing to pay for a car you no longer own, and that can last up for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. So, so a, that's not, not a good situation. No, and then you get that proverbial snowball effect there where you start amassing more and more debt, and it becomes harder and harder to get out of it. And, and I think exactly. that's essentially the message there. Uh, and there's so many things that the research report uh, said. Are, are there anything else that we, I mean, this seems to be the most apparent standout item for me because this has been going on for a while and I've noticed myself uh, in my own circle where I'm seeing people getting caught up in these long-term lease plans or, or buying plans where they're financing their, their, the outright buy of the car. Is there anything else in that report that somebody who's looking for a car should be thinking about? Well, I think if you're looking for a car, you have to start thinking about doing your homework on financing immediately. A lot of people do a lot of homework as to what kind of car they'd like and what kind of of bells and whistles they'd like on that car and then wait till they get to the dealership to think about financing. You need to think about financing before you get to the dealership. What's the best for you? What type of financing do you need? Do you need a lease? Do you need auto financing? And if you need financing, how long do you think you're going to keep that car? Because if you think you're only going to keep that car for four or five years, don't end up at the dealership to sign up for an eight-year loan. 
So the, the homework that needs to be done before you get to the dealership is critical. Did the report identify uh, what avenue might be the best for financing? Well, I think it really depends on, on the individuals. There, there are some individuals that perhaps eight years is, is, is appropriate. So, for example, um, you can get a 0% interest because your credit rating is excellent, and you've always kept your car for 10, 15 years. One of the things that we've heard, and it's true, that cars now are made for longer. And perhaps if you are the type of individual that keeps a car for 10 years and you can get a 0% down and you perhaps mitigate your risk of that what we call negative equity through perhaps an insurance program, then maybe yes, maybe eight eight years is good. So there's not really a, a this is the best for everyone. I think the best for everyone depends on everyone's circumstances. It's like anything else. I I suppose uh, the message that I'm getting is that, uh, you know, do your preparation. Make sure you've done all your research before that emotional decision takes place. Because most of us, when we go to get a new car, uh, we like the wheels or we like the the stereo or whatever the gadget might be, you know, the color. Uh, Those are emotional decisions that might not be best for our wallet. Exactly. That's exactly it. You need to do that homework, and you, you can't get to be taken hostage by the dealer. If you come into the dealership, often the first question they ask you is, how much can you afford per month? How much you can, could afford per month might end up, they'll show you a, some type of luxury SUV <laughs> over eight year payment, whereas what you should be asking for is to see, look at the little compact car. Mm-hmm. Well, clearly this has become a significant problem in terms of overall consumer debt. We know that a Canadian household debt ratio uh, is at an all-time high. This is something that's a, a concern for, for many people uh, in the, uh, the business of helping consumers with their debt load. Uh, is, there, is there a place or a thing that somebody can do once they've gotten into deep that can help them to find some relief with their financial situation? Well, there's a lot of excellent credit counseling agencies across Canada, and um, I, I strongly suggest if somebody is finding themselves struggling under the debt load, that they contact one of those agencies. Uh, there are also financial institutions that can help with some le- with some uh, financial advice. We have a lot of excellent information on our own website, which is www.itpaystoknow.gc.ca. Um, information on budgeting from tools. We also have information on the type of questions to ask when you purchase a a house or you purchase a car. Um, There is a lot out there for consumers. They just need to to dig a little deep. And and we also have on our website per uh, province uh, different um, area, different sectors that can help them manage their debt. When it comes to debt, is it uh, really a question of uh, housing costs and things like cars, big purchases like that, are those, generally speaking, the, the, the place where people are finding themselves in the deepest trouble? Well, I think it, it depends on the individual, obviously, but what we've seen is we've seen a, a growth in the amount of, of uh, auto debt as part of the whole debt load, and we've also seen an increased use of credit cards in terms of a debt for in, with respect to those credit cards. And yet those credit cards, uh, it just seems in this climate today that using a credit card would just be so so counterintuitive given that those rates have not come down at all over this long period that we've enjoyed extremely low rates and other forms of, of borrowing. Well, I think people are get, getting lured in by purchasing more and 
are finding themselves, uh, you know, making decisions that are not wise decisions. Mm-hmm. What's the uh, takeaway message? What do you want to tell uh, consumers today? Uh, apart from what we've said already, is there anything else that you want to tell somebody who's thinking about a car purchase right now? Yes, well, if you're thinking about a car purchase right now, um, sit at your kitchen table, take out a pen and a piece of paper, and create a budget. What we found at uh, FCAC, at the agency, is most people that actually create a budget would stick to it. So look at your budget, not just the monthly payment, but try to match the loan term to the number of years you'll have. Also, check your credit report. A lot of people don't realize that it's important to check your credit report before you get into the dealership because that might have an impact on the type of of interest rate that you're going to get. Consider your financing options. And if you do get to the dealership, some dealers actually get, most dealers actually get uh, more than one offers from the lenders. Ask the dealer if they've received more than one offer and, and ask them to show you the offers so that it's you that makes a decision as to what is the best plan for you. Right, and that's great advice. Bridget Goulard is the Deputy Commissioner for the Financial Consumer Agency of Canada. What's that website again? It's www.itpaystoknow.gc.ca. Really appreciate your time today. Thank you so much. Okay, my pleasure. We'll take a quick break on Vancouver Consumer. When we come back, we're going to shift to that other big purchase, and that is of your home. Although we're going to take the seller's perspective, how do you arrive at market value? What's the asking price? How do you find out what to ask when you want to sell your home? We'll find out next with Todd Talbot on Vancouver Consumer from News Talk 980 CKNW. The sport that is real estate for the very wealthiest and the rest of us continues in this market. And we've all been asking people in the know for strategy, suggestions, predictions, all part of the game. And if you ask this question to 100 people, you're likely to get 100 different or slightly different answers. With things this hot in residential real estate, and you're thinking of selling or even testing the market, which I think a lot of realtors really don't like that much, the question is, how do, you, how do you determine market value and the asking price? And that's exactly the question we asked Todd Talbot of Love It or List at Vancouver. Todd Talbot from Love It or List It Vancouver, which is on tomorrow evening as it is every Monday night at 10 o'clock on the W Network. Great program. That is part of a conversation that Todd Talbot had with myself and John Meyer on Vancouver Real Estate Today, heard at 10 o'clock. I'll make that 11 o'clock on Saturday mornings. Last week, Daniel Primrose, the president and CEO of the Better Business Bureau, told us on Vancouver Consumer about the inaugural National Password Day, which is March 15th. It's an initiative in part to run with National Fraud Prevention Month, which is all of March, and an opportunity to remind businesses and consumers the importance of password security. Now, before you start yawning, uh, think about it for a moment. Passwords are an integral part of our digital lives, helping to secure important personal and financial information. So this is what they're asking you to do. Take about 30 minutes on the 15th to update your passwords right across 
your bank accounts, your social networks, email accounts, even point-of-sale equipment. Select strong passwords that are difficult to guess and vary across your many accounts. Change your password frequently. Experts recommend two to three times a year at minimum, and be sure to never share your passwords with anyone. A couple of tips from the BBB. Make your password tough to decipher. Use at least 12 characters. Use upper and lower case letters, numbers, and symbols. Avoid words found in the dictionary, and avoid using family names. And that includes your dog and or cat. Daylight saving time began today. Clocks moved forward by one hour, and there's a huge outcry. People will be tired and cranky for the next couple of days. Alexandra Anderson is the world's youngest billionaire, heir to a family fortune built on tobacco. She debuts among the 2016 world's billionaires thanks to her stake in an investment company that Forbes values at one2 billion dollars. She's 19. Uh, Bugatti uh, revealed their new car. I don't know if you saw the pictures this past week. It's a $2.6 million supercar. And uh, if you're that person who won the Lotto Max and you're still in hiding, this might be the thing to bring you out. This new car called the Chiron has a top speed of 261 miles per hour. That's 420 kilometers per hour. That's about as fast as any car can go. The new vehicle starts at a base price of $2.6 million. That's chump change. If you were listening earlier, you may have some good tips now on just how you're going to finance it. Finding comfortable shoes can be a challenge even for those with average shaped feet, but it's virtually impossible for the Venezuelan man who holds the record for the world's largest feet Jason Rodriguez wears size 26 shoes. This week he received a donation of four pairs of custom-made shoes from Greg Wessels, a German shoemaker who specializes in making irregular shoes for people. He makes boots and sneakers and clogs and sandals, and Wessels has been making shoes for the world's tallest people for almost 40 years, and he does it for free. Still sticking with uh, that New Year's resolution to lose weight, we talked about skinny TV. What are you doing for yourself? If you've got a few extra pounds that you promised to lose, Oprah's still eating bread, and who can give up pizza? Well, there's a trick to eating less pizza. When you make or order your next pizza, have it cut into at least twice as many pieces. So if your pizza normally comes with eight slices, ask them to cut it in 16 and ideally eat it from a plate placed on a large table. Now do so, and if the study findings are true, you might consume about half the pizza that you might normally. Well, you don't have time in the morning for coffee? Yeah, that, that can be a real problem, especially tomorrow morning when you wake up and you have to go to work and you're feeling really drowsy. Don't wait to stain your teeth. You can still get a pick-me-up, Power Toothpaste, and I have nothing to do with this, by the way. Power Toothpaste calls itself the world's first caffeine-infused toothpaste that gives you a rush while you brush. You have to admit, it kind of has a ring to it. A tube comes with enough toothpaste for up to about 90 brushes. And unlike coffee, 
which takes about 30 to 45 minutes to actually absorb into your system, power toothpaste takes effect almost immediately. A lot of people think that Facebook is stressful. Some Facebook users may enjoy collecting hundreds of virtual friends, but it turns out that those online relationships can cause a lot of stress. That's what researchers at the Edinburgh Napier University have discovered. After conducting a survey of 200 students who regularly use Facebook, among the students who were surveyed, 12% say they actually dislike receiving friend requests. More than one out of every 10 users said that the site made them anxious. How about you, Matt? Are, are you anxious when you get on Facebook? No, nope, doesn't bother you? No, nah, I'm not social media... I don't, I'm not on it too much. I definitely do get a little bit of a hit when people like something I do, though. Well, isn't that why people post stuff on, on Facebook? So that they can get that, uh, they can be acknowledged. That's, a, that's put exactly it, what it is. To put it, it very feels good bluntly. to be acknowledged. Yeah, and that's what everything wants. So on your personal page on Facebook, what kinds of, what kinds of things when you do post, what will you post? I try and keep it positive, as much positivity as possible. Um, no politics and no posts of food. There's a lot of haters on Facebook, isn't there? I'm trying to avoid Donald Trump right now. He really scares me. Yeah. But uh, I'm wondering, is is Facebook the right venue to have this discourse? Or do you think that there are other venues, other posts, other places where the conversation, which ne- is necessary to have, are there other places that we could have those conversations? Well, I think that these online forums, they're the new town hall forums. And I've also read someone else was doing a show saying that a lot of like CBC and BBC are going to remove their comment posts online because they're only attracting trolls. Yeah. A lot of new sites are doing that and, and limiting the, the amount of commentary that, that people can input. And I'm not sure that that's necessarily the answer. What I find interesting, though, when it comes to Facebook is when you get into a controversial subject like politics, and everybody has a, a feeling and an opinion on it, people will often get very upset. And, and then suddenly your Facebook friendship has become this huge war. And, and it becomes quite uh, a lot of animosity starts to enter into it. And then what do you do then? When you start to have this, these really strong feelings about the people that you're having the, the Facebook argument with, what's the right course? Are you, do you unfriend them? I wouldn't say so. I mean, if they were my friend, I would just talk to them about it. But the problem is most of these conversations you have with people are people you don't know and you've never met before. And I've had people from down in Florida giving me a hard time because I've made a, co- a post on Hillary Clinton somewhere, which is another reason I don't do those little blogs or things like that anymore so isn't that interesting yeah uh that seems to be the method for a lot of people is just simply unfriend that person if they don't say what you want to hear they're happy for you to hear what they have to offer but not necessarily the other way around and that is another problem is that people are only going to find the information that they're that they agree with which i don't think is a great necessarily a great thing Matt Highland is our technical producer. My name is Ian Power. Thanks for joining me this morning. Hope you'll be back with us next weekend for Vancouver Consumer on News Talk 980 CKNW.